We are living in a world where access to healthcare is ever more problematic because, you know, even GPs now, there's just not enough of us. So how can we use digital to help augment that and make it easier? This is My Product Tested, the show that unpacks how successful founders have tested their way to the top and all the market validation that happened on the way. In studio, as always, from the Hype team, Miles Hofak and Cameron Calder, and here in studio this week, Dr. Julian Nesbitt, founder of the UK health tech startup, Dr. Julian. Dr. Julian and his founding team have spent the last six and a half years building a product that's on a mission to increase accessibility, regulation of mental health care provision by connecting people to vetted, online trained clinical psychologists in the hope of solving the national mental health crisis. Welcome to the studio, Dr. Julian. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome, yeah. welcome. Good to have you. Cool. Um, do you want us to refer to you as Dr. Julian? How do you like just, being called? Just call me Julian. Sure. Yeah. Just All, right. Me. <laughs> All right. Great, Julian. So, I mean, you guys are now almost seven years down. Um, I mean, you're solving an incredible problem um, that's happening throughout the world. I think more prevalent than ever over the past two years. Something everyone's talking about. You know, the problems uh, kind of been more prevalent than ever at the moment. And you know, today in this very room, the problem that Dr. Julian's solving at the moment, what is the actual product and business today? Sure. Um, yes, it's been a long, long journey. Um, the business as it stands today, uh, we're one of the leading suppliers of mental health services to NHS uh, IAT, which is the mainstay of psychological therapy that the NHS provide. Uh, so we're commissioned across the country in 25 services at the moment. We're not sort of another uh, load in the, as a waiting list as well coming on board. We are also now supplying um, in the private sector. So working with some occupational health companies, charities, um, looking at starting to work with the health insurance as well. And we're about to launch uh, with a range of universities um, through our partnership with a, a company called Together All. Interestingly, the platform has evolved. So as not just being a service provider where we know we connect you with a therapist the idea behind it was that we create a digital platform that makes life better for patients therapists and admins and creates the best platform possible so patients are empowered so they're given choice and matching of the right therapist that most meets their needs and then what they're given as well via the platform is access to vetted tailored self-help tools and resources so cutting through the fluff there's 10,000 self-help apps out there or whatever that people don't really know when or where to use it we can sort of guide them with the right resources and tools alongside that therapy to help them before during and after and then it's a whole end-to-end -end case management system electronic health record that integrates the patient side so they can get access to the notes and letters. And, and it also makes the life of a therapist much easier, putting up availability where and when they want so they can work from abroad if they want to. Um, and it helps do things like auto-populate their notes so we can get additional clinical capacity in the same amount of time from a therapist by automating admin tasks and making the whole thing more efficient. Okay, so are you running off partnerships or is it B2B and B2C or... How are you, is it more distribution and then these actual sort of government uh, bodies commissioned Dr. Julian for the actual distribution? 
Yeah. So the main, so the main sort of founding business model is is B two B. Obviously, there is a B two C element where people can book and pay themselves, but the majority of our contracts come through. We have a network of our own therapists, uh, and we supply the therapy via our therapists and our platform. And obviously, with all this, the the clinical supervision and structures around around that. Okay. Yeah. Great. Because. So basically, uh, that's what Dr. Julian is today. Looking back to when you kind of first started uh, the product and business, you know, your background is very much focused on, you know, the doctorate side and very much the medical side and healthcare. That sort of experience that you've had, obviously, you're going to be very open to all of these different problems that people have with accessibility and affordability as well. Um, How has that experience kind of shaped the product that you created and you know do you have some sort of technical and product background as well or is it more kind of your experience that happened in healthcare that brought out and birthed this product yeah sure so no i don't have any um uh, product or any other type of background i get my dad was an entrepreneur i guess so i've got it suppose in my blood but uh the the light bulb moment i get so i was an a i was an a and e doctor before and then i I'm now sort of still trying to cling on as, as a GP working a day a week. So I guess um, seeing being on the front line, I think I had eight patients in a row who tried to kill themselves, asking them why they're all on a, a nine month waiting list for help. So I was like, we've got to do something about this. There has to be a better way of getting people help more efficiently, cleaner. Can we mm-hmm. get them what the right help that they need? So why are we not doing it in a digital ecosystem, which means that you have, you know, don't have that supply and demand mismatch so much because um, a lot of the time, you know, people might just there, there isn't a therapist in that area for them or whatever. And, and people are on these huge waiting lists. So I thought, let's create something like that. And I guess it's just about then being relentless and learning as you go along. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely uh, something amazing that you're you're you had that that light bulb moment, you know, something uh, you often hear these stories of uh, people in sort of the right place, at the right time connected to the right people to have that moment and then come together and, and, you know, start something that can offer value in that sense. Uh, Was that original problem? Can you surmise that as sort of accessibility, Uh, you know, access, you know, allowing sort of customers to have immediate access to that assistance when and where they need it? Well, yeah, I guess that's it, isn't it? It's having access and, being able to get the help that that they need and rather than just being put on some waiting lists where they just get lost um mm. if someone and i think the thing is if you get help earlier that person then doesn't see their gp five times doesn't end up taking six months off work doesn't end up actually getting much much worse so the health economic outcomes of giving people help at the right time uh, are far mm. superior so i guess we are living in a world where access to healthcare is ever more problematic because Mm. you know even gps now there's just not enough of us so how can we use digital to help augment that and make it easier and i guess that's where that's the idea behind it yeah i think in this case it seems as if you know what digital is offering is that you know uh, fast access you know you could you could allocate your time in in better ways you're not waiting for somebody to arrive at your practice uh, and there may be delays or gaps of time in between each patient. You know, there's that much faster sort of access. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, lo- I mean, there's loads of things. So it's like 
not having to travel, as you mentioned, so opening up access mm. for those that can't travel uh, or are in more remote areas, being able to find a, you know, a much wider pool of people that you can utilize even globally. So you can find someone that most suits you based on what your needs are. So if you need the global expert in this particular niche, you can find that person and then you can actually choose the time of the appointment more easily. So you can find a time that suits you, uh, including you know, evenings and weekends and then language as well so and culture. So a lot of people have, you know, for instance, in certain boroughs, well, in the UK, that we have different minority groups and uh, sometimes they're not even minority groups, but this way they can actually have someone that of their own culture, they can choose the someone of that speaks their language and their culture. So it, it opens up the door to provide that, uh, that access. And then there's, by using digital, there's loads of things that you can do to sort of improve that experience, get, you know, make it more efficient and give them the right self-help resources and stuff all in the same package. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing problem to solve for the end user. And you've obviously now over time kind of moved towards solving it for the actual psychologists themselves who are having these, these calls with these patients. How has that kind of adoption been like? Uh, obviously, you know, people somewhat being a lot older, who've studied for, for many years in this actual field. Um, has the adoption been a bit slow or has kind of the past two years ignited this fast track movement into the digital space for them? Yeah, I mean, so obviously COVID sort of, I think, accelerated everything digital by about 10 years, right? So um, I think what happened is people had to then do everything online on COVID and they realized that actually it provides as good, if not better care um, and more efficiently. So I think, interestingly, digital adoption has always been sort of accelerating. I think 10 years ago, it was too early. Uh, COVID has massively uh, accelerated it now. I think um, we do have, uh, you know, there is a, 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 li a limited number of therapists in the world. So for the need, like there's a limited number of GPs for the need, there's just not enough. So we have to sort of find ways to make their life more efficient and better and easier for them. And I think that's the sort of ethos again, that making that platform as good as possible for them so that, um, you know, we're getting quite a good, we're, we're getting a very good reputation now in the market and more and more people are hearing about us. We haven't really done any marketing or PR, but just through word of mouth, a huge number now are sort of are joining up to, uh, you know, and, and yeah. part of our strategy going forwards was not just to keep everything for ourselves, but actually allow other organizations that have their own staff to use the platform to help as well so that we've sort of pivoted a bit from that direction so we're doing two things with the service provision model platform in the middle and then a sort of SaaS model where we give the technology for other service providers to use to benefit uh, them as well yeah okay. yeah it's, it's it's really interesting uh for me that you you're seven years in now you know you started long before something like COVID happened which obviously drastically accelerated uh your 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 value um proposition how long did it take you to realize that there's a bigger opportunity to solve here? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I was a full-time doctor for three, four of those seven years. So I'm, I'm pretty much a one-man band for a lot of it. And when you first start, you can't, you know, you, I, if I did it again, I'd be doing things very differently with the network that I know, with the funding that I could get access to, you know, lots of different things. But when you start out, um, it takes, it. that's why it, it takes a while to sort of bed it in. And I think, I mean, you. I always knew that mental health is just a massive problem, of course, globally. Um, it's just working out what's the best 
way that we can do it for the most amount of people. And I sort of, I've, I've taken the path where providing what the need is in the NHS to start with, which allowed adoption for, um, you know, providing the service because there's not enough people providing the service. And then on off top of that, building the platform. So I guess by building the tech platform and getting it to a point, that's when the sort of more global opportunity and the huge opportunity there uh, dawned on, you know, it, it, it's available mm-hmm. because technology is much also much easier to scale than providing a service. Yeah. And I mean, you have all these different moving parts now, um, you know, it's almost seven years later where you have this SaaS model and then you also have the connection side between the actual uh, patients and the practitioners. But back then when you were solving this accessibility problem, um, you know, these guys waiting nine months for an appointment when, you know, that's kind of thing that needs to be solved instantly. Yeah. When you're originally solving that, you are trying to build something that's going to solve it immediately what was that initial product because you didn't just build the product that it is today when you first started was it a kind of hack together that you put um what are very, that yeah very hacked together the initial thing was a b2c like mvp where uh iphone app actually uh built by some russian developers back at the time <laughs> very cheaply <laughs> and then it sort of evolved from that uh we then sort of created a, a web app um yeah, I mean, it was you've got to launch with MVP, haven't you, cheaply, and then you sort of Definitely. build your connections, you 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 learn from it, and you start to. Uh, then we we got some uh, better developers in actually, and then and the developer that we had in sort of a year and a bit in or two years in uh, is is now my head of head of IT, so he's still he's still with me. Um, so uh, and then yeah, and we've kind of it's been a big long journey of six years of development to get it to where it is now. Yeah, mm. nice. And and that initial launch of this uh, hacked together uh, Russian developed product that you you put out into the market was there any th- sort of growth metrics that you're looking at? Any sort of was it usage behavior on the the patient side? Was it retention? What what sort of metrics were you looking at to validate what you're doing? Yeah, so we really, I mean, it was a the initial thing we just launched because like obviously to, to launch with the NHS and everything it requires a lot more. Uh, thought behind that I, I, I and and time so we just launched a b2c people you know just booking with a therapist so what we were looking at you know obviously number of bookings uh how people coming onto the website looking at it uh and also i guess it was also good for us to start building up a therapist network so that was you know i guess the value in the service provision model is the network of therapists you have on your system so um th- that was the sort of launch pad i guess in the first step of then building something more necessary. But what we soon learned was B2C in the UK um, without a huge amount of money for marketing is not going to work because, mm. um, you know, it just, it, there wasn't the market there at the time. Um, I guess there's competition. There's in B2C and mental health, uh, there's obviously quite a lot of competition, especially globally. And I, I think, um, and we didn't have the money to spend huge amounts of the marketing and things. So that's when um, we were looking at, you know, where the B2C opportunities, I mean, with the NHS as well, the fact that the NHS provides mental health support for free actually is, is amazing in the UK. Um, and a lot of people can't afford it privately. So, um, you know, I think that's where that big, I think now there is more and more people going out and paying for therapy. Um, back then it was it was less uh, at the time. But yeah, the B2C product gave us the, a starting point, if you will. Yeah. I guess it's also, you know, when you look at a, a two customer model like this, where you have your your patients and then you have your inventory of practitioners that you need to build, 
it's a little bit different to something like an Airbnb where you're trying to list as much inventory as possible. Here, you're trying to build some quality so you can get the right matches with the actual yeah. patients, right? Well, exactly. And you can't just list every single therapist that would want to work for you. You have to vet them. Uh, so yeah, and, and part of this is around the quality of the, you know, or the vetting. So there are standards that you can look at and certifications and accreditations mm. and things. So yes, it's about making sure you have that. So early on, you need to have a, a, cl a clinical sort of lead who understands that. I mean, it helps obviously me being a doctor, um, but I wasn't a therapist. So it's, again, it's around, uh, around doing that. And that's, mm. that has, that's evolved over time. And the NHS has st more stringent regulations than, uh, so we, you know, we started out with sort of more basic, more, more counselling um, level, uh, you know, and sometimes a counsellor might have only done a, 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 a two week court. There's a big, there's a big range in, in counselling as such. Some people have only done a, um, they, they call themselves a counsellor when they've only done a two week course. And some counsellors incredibly experienced 20 years plus having done a huge amount uh, of accreditation. So you, you've got to really cut the wheat from the chaff there and understand, uh, you know, who's there. And then mm. there's other types of therapists that the NHS use uh, so CBT you might have heard of, um, and there's accreditation specifically for that. So they have to meet those criteria. Um, and the NHS is quite sort of circumscribed on what they will accept and what they won't in terms of accreditation um, for yeah. the different therapists. But so, privately, uh, anyone can work with anyone, right? So yeah, you've got to, yeah. we wanted to maintain equality. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you mentioned that you didn't have a, originally have a big budget for marketing. Uh, what was your strategy and approach to awareness and education back when you started uh, versus what it is today? Yeah, um, I think, so when we started, um, we played around with a few like Google AdWords and things. I think we used my clinical sort of back you know, background to try and do some PR and marketing. And I guess, um, I think when you start a business, you can't try and do everything at once. So, you know, it, it was sort of focusing in on, one group or one niche area and actually what's it's just as it's evolved it's sort of um that's where we sort of went more down the beta b2b market so right we'll work with this nhs service covering this thing and then as we've grown it we've grown more and more different types of more services and more different offerings in that service as such so you've got to start with one and then build it up yeah i mean it's 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 quite it's quite a cool sort of flow where you have your initial start where you go i have no budget i need to make this work let's kind of test things as many as possible and i would imagine that google ads budget that you originally started with was very small yeah, um very and small. you were just kind of testing the market and then now you almost seven years later you still have those learnings in the back of your mind where you're going you know we originally did google ads this is what worked this is what didn't we did see some potential opportunities if we're going to spend budget we now kind of know where to shift that budget towards um yeah no exactly and i think even so we just haven't we do offer b2c still like people can go and book and pay but we just with, with the other business way the growth of the business and the opportunities in the b2b and you know even the b2b2c and the b2d markets we we just don't need to do that so but that again that's another area where it could grow as you say but and, and those learnings from you know, where would it work to do the ads? What kind of ads are there? I think in that market, it's quite competitive. So again, you have to sort of know how you how to differentiate yourself. Yeah. And I guess today it's more of an awareness type uh, brand uh, piece that you're doing, you know, more sort of PR side of things where yeah. if you are meeting with these bigger companies that have this distribution channel, then 
that at least are aware of Dr. Julian and, you know, this is going to offer a lot of credibility for you. Yeah. And I think the easiest way, so obviously the NHS is a huge market uh, and they, they refer to us uh, via the different NHS services. But I think as well, as we're doing more in the sort of uh, private corporate space, having a strategy of rather than targeting small individual companies, if you target something like an occupational health company or a health insurance company that already have all those links into all those companies and they need you to provide the therapy, they're a sort of referral partner, which means that you don't have to do loads of marketing. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, these learnings kind of influencing today from back then, you know, even looking at the problem you were solving back then, it was very much, you spoke about accessibility. Um, yes. Is that is that kind of a common thread that's carried out, you know, in 2022, where you you're building the SaaS model as well, and you know you kind of have three or four different customers. Um, yeah, and it's complicated because there are so many. So um, in terms of like you know the different service provider com- customers for the different therapists or therapies that you provide, or even the psychiatry, you're know, looking at providing other services with psychiatry, and then you've got the SaaS model as you. Um, uh, as you say from that, I think, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's so just, sorry, can you just repeat that question again that you just said that the, 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 the main sort of problem that you're solving today uh, for all of yeah, your existing customers. Yeah. I mean, access to mental health is the sort of tagline, right? Because that's, is what it's doing. It's you, you're allowing people to find a therapist quickly, easily, conveniently have that, whether that's the SAS model by with someone else's therapists or clinicians, or whether that's our models of service provision with our clinicians or therapists, the platform is there. And I think the platform is the central hub to, to provide that. Um, and you've just got to build the structures around it. Yeah. So what has your uh, recent growth been like? You know, I'm sure that, that you know, as we know, COVID and, and all of that happened and it's probably been ex- accelerating quite fast. What does that look like recently? And what does what does the future look like for how you're going to handle that growth, and what type of uh, uh, product introductions are you going to bring to the platform? Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously, COVID sort of accelerated the growth quite substantially. Um, also, it's it's massively around having the right team around you uh, to to achieve what you need to achieve. Um, I was fortunate actually, so I, I went through a phase where. Uh, I didn't necessarily have the best team members for certain things. And then uh, I was learning as I'm going along. I brought in some more experienced people as a board finally. And then we really started to stabilize the business, put a much more firmer foundation within in the last uh, year and a half. Um, And now it's really um, motoring. So um, yeah, just, I think we went from a hundred grand revenue two, three years ago, 600 now, 1.22 million now we should hit. So um it, it, it's accelerating rapidly um it's a, we've just did a we're going to be raising a series a i think in six to 12 months we did a sort of what we would call as i guess a seed round um just recently and we also won a government grant to scale this uh technology as a SaaS model in in the IOPS nhs services um so that was helpful and then i think as a, from where we're going so i see this platform as a central hub to sort of bring everything together. So obviously you've got the service provision model, which I was saying, and you're going to keep growing that and that's a stable business uh, and, and adding in these additional services. So you've got the different types of therapy. So you've got the CBT therapist, there's clinical psychologies, the counseling in the different areas. Um, you've got then what we call step two, which is 
with a different type of therapist called PWP. And then you've got uh, like ADHD services that we want to help because that's re really in need, autism services. Um, those are all the service provision models. And then you've got, as I say, the SaaS model here where using the platform that we've built for other people to use it with their own therapists. And at the core, we've got the, the platform where we make it as you know, user-friendly and efficient for patients, therapists, and admins. So patients get choice, they get access to all the next letters, they get access to self-help tools. So where we're going from there is like partnering, but also so building our own, but also partnering with the best tools already out there. And then I feel like with appropriate triage, and we can digitize some of that the triage, it does mean that we could create a platform that really brings it together. And I just think that there's so much um, like fragmentation of mental health stuff in the market. This could bring that together to say, right, what does this individual need for what issue and what? And then I think in the future with all the outcomes and data we're collecting, because you, you do all the questionnaires before and after that are validated to measure what level you have of your depression or your anxiety or whatever. So, I mean, we could start to look at, um, right, what kind of tool is best suited for what kind of person? And I think that could be quite interesting uh, as we move forward to really then personalize that care even more. Um, but I think for me, it's just about providing patients with choice uh, and empowerment. That's, you know, the, the two things. But yeah, that does that, hopefully that gives you an idea of where we're going. There's a lot, there's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, a lot to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seven years down the line and there's still so much to be done. Uh, you kind of never put your feet up and just relax and the business runs on itself. There's, there's always these modifications to be done, all of these adaptations. Well, um, I think, yeah, I guess I'm an ideas guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from a perspective of innovation, you can't really sit up and put your feet up if you're a tech digital platform. But I think, uh, you know, I guess... The, the more traditional the, the, there's parts of the business that are now running itself greatly you know just the the therapy provision of of a, you know the cbt is sort of now we've got everything in place in the systems there's still improvements to be yeah Sorry. it doesn't sound like yeah it doesn't sound like you have a healthcare background it sounds like you have a product background the way that you speak <laughs> i don't know you kind of learn on the job i guess but. yeah and then um, sure. so just just looking back um now this sort of almost seven years um there's obviously those aha moments where you you know you have this acceleration happening in covid you realize that this b2b model might actually be the right way forward for the company and as you say you still are running this b2c approach and now you have these big ideas that kind of click and then everything just kind of works are there anything that comes to mind, you know, when you look back um, with respect to big challenges that you faced and it kind of still sits with you that goes, that was a terrible time that I went through, but we ended up getting through by solving, you know, this amazing thing. I mean, yeah, of course. Um, anyone that says that they haven't had a challenge is lying. Uh, it's a roller coaster if you're a founder. Um, I think I was lucky in the sense that I still... I always felt like I had a job to fall back on as a doctor. So I kind of wasn't putting my whole family and everything on the line. So I guess I was lucky in that sense, but it was obviously harder work also being a doctor at the same time. But I think um, the biggest lessons are about people. If you have the right people in the right roles, that, that, that business will, will work. Um, you go through stages where you have the people that, that are great, but then in the wrong role or they're not suited for that role. Um, and, 
it can all fall apart very quickly. And we went through quite phases where I had the wrong people in the wrong roles. Um, and then a lot, you know, there's also toxic negative cultures can develop and that's not help, healthy at all. And you've got to sort of then just take a deep breath, work out what's going and then start building it back up again and, and, and fix that issue. Yeah. Incredible. Well, it's really great to hear from you, Dr. Julian. Uh, we've really enjoyed this time together. Um, I'm sure our listeners will also, this is, this is really great. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For Thanks so much That's... for joining us. Cool. So what do we think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's seven years down the line. He's definitely had a great opportunity to build some some serious momentum. And I think it's I'm really excited to, to follow their journey from here. But it, it really is so interesting for me that he he had this aha moment pre-COVID. You know, you hear about a lot of these startups uh, starting up as a result of a global pandemic. But he had this idea before COVID and then COVID was ironically, you know, the best thing to happen for his business. And I'm sure he's currently chaotic in his day-to-day with, with the acceleration of growth uh, of Dr. Julian. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the platform evolves from this point. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting time because, you know, the past two years having COVID, so many businesses are failing and so many businesses are succeeding as a result of it. So, you know, he's obviously on the, the better side of this, but um, yes. he's taken full advantage and he knows that he's not just solving a small problem that's, you know, the everyday, he's not just selling a consumer product. Um, yes. But I think the interesting thing that he brought up, which, you know, we haven't really spoken about in our previous episodes is he spoke a lot about his team and the impact of yes. the people in the business. Um, and I think when you, you're solving a problem as prevalent as mental health, you need the right people in, in place Definitely. that can build this and, and they need to understand what the actual product is. Yeah, you hear it a lot. You hear people say people are a company's best asset, which is actually not true. The right people are a company's best asset. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Well, there was Dr. Julian Nesbitt, founder of the health tech startup in the UK called Dr. Julian. Um, what a great episode, incredible insights. Um, you know, he's a, for someone who doesn't know product, he really delivered on something that seasoned entrepreneurs who have a product or development background would know. Um, he's looking at the right metrics. He's got his product roadmap in place and He's, everything has a rationale behind it. So very powerful. Going to be watching him over the next couple of years and hopefully we can get him back in studio in about six to 12 months and see where he's at. So thank you for another episode of My Product Tested. We'll catch you guys next week.